Welcome to Inner Peace with Dr. Reese, a program that can help you become liberated in the modern world. Now, here's your host, Dr. Kevin W. Reese. So what is junk DNA? Welcome to episode number 86. Today, I'm talking to Spencer Clayton. He's a young man who just a few years ago started to experience very cosmic insights and messages. We're going to talk about junk DNA. What is it? How do we activate it? And what's the relation to Star Wars and the Jedi? We're also going to dive very deep into the Ascended Masters, the Anunnaki, the 144,000 lightworkers, starseeds, portal energy, ego death, and much more. So sit down, relax, and take in this beautiful recording. Spencer, welcome to the podcast. It's good to be here. Thank you for inviting me. So your Instagram is called Junk DNA. How would you define junk DNA? Well, junk DNA is the dormant part of our uh, being that has been suppressed over the years. And it's just about bringing some self-awareness to the fact that we have these capabilities and abilities within ourselves that are inherently present at birth. But um, as the years go by, we kind of forget about them and we don't utilize ourselves to our ultimate potential. So I think just calling my my page junk dna um lets people dive deeper it plants some seeds of awareness Mm. and people can start to really understand how impressively um you know how intricate our design is to the universe itself so i think uh, it's a great thing to bring awareness to and just the fact that we have so much potential within um it just showcases the beauty of life life and nature we do have this amazing potential inside of us that the average person is just totally not aware of. I remember, I'm a little older than you, but I remember as a a kid watching Star Wars and I never really cared so much about the soap opera part. I was interested in the Jedi. <laughs> mm-hmm. And looking back all these years, I understand that for the most part, the Jedi are real. You know, there might be some inflections for science fiction purposes, but this mystical potential is is real. For all the nerds out there, uh, midi-chlorians are junk DNA. So you can kind of relate that back to uh, the whole whole perspective. But again, we are just these ultimate beautiful beings of light. And we go by, you know, discounting and discrediting our existence without actually tapping into what's just already there. And so this is, this is the progress. This is the evolution of man. We have to become aware of who we are in order to level up. Let's talk about you. Because you're a pretty young guy. You're in your late 20s? Yeah, 28. I just had uh, my solar return on the second. Okay. So pretty young. You're not even in your 30s yet. When did things start happening for you? And when did you become aware of the mystical nature that we're living in? You know what, it's, um, it's a pretty sad tale, you know, now that I reminisce about it. But basically, I'd hit rock bottom. Um, I, you know, was searching so much in the external realm of why things were the way they were. And I just wanted to understand life in general. But because I wasn't getting the answers, and for good reason, because now we see that there's censorship to these things, and there's different layers that you have to bypass to actually get to the truth. Um, I let that kind of overwhelm me and take me under. And then I, I found this single point where I literally just looked up. I remember it was one of the nights. Um, I I'd work a graveyard shift at the hospital, but mm. it was one of the nights I was looking up at the stars and I said, you know what? I don't care what comes next as long as you can just tell me why things are the way they are. And I woke up the next day with the most profound revelations. Like literally everything that I asked for was just streaming in cosmic downloads. 
I was getting information that I never even understood at the moment. Um, it was just all coming in. It was like, this is this, this is this. And I was kind of like gifted this insight, this cosmic insight. And it was just so overwhelming at first because it was like the floodgates released. And I didn't really need to know what to do with all the information coming in. But essentially what I did was I processed it. I became a lot more content with my existence in life because I realized that we do live in a sci-fi universe. You know, a lot of people like to discount this, but we there's so much incredible unseen and unheard information out there that can really open the eyes of um, the whole collective as we know it. So what happened was I started getting all this information and it became overwhelming for me myself because I didn't know what to do with it. You know, I mean, am I just going to hoard all of this in, inside myself? Like I'm completely content. I'm cultivating inner peace, but at the same, the same token, I, I want to give out and I want to serve others. And I want to really like make sure that other people understand the same uh, relevations and uh, confirmations that I've received. Did this so, happen to you in like one day or was it over a period of? Well, yeah. So it, it was basically like the duration of a week. Mm. Um, it was just like, you know, the first day was probably the most intense because that's when, you know, I really got the insight. Um, but my dreams became more vivid. I started getting real time information, say I would think of something and it would just be a topic that comes off the top of my head. Um, I would actually be able to dive six layers deeper into that without even trying. Mm. It would just keep each door would keep unlocking. It's like, this is, this is like, it was the complete outline of the universe. And I was like, this is, you know, unfathomable. And so I started talking to my friends, um, immediately got outcast. Of course. You know, they didn't, they didn't understand what was going on. Uh, talked to my family. They said, you know, don't be crazy. And like, talked to uh, the girlfriend at the time, lost her along the way because they just, they wanted to keep this ignorance, uh, this blissful ignorance about them and their life and really catering and sheltering their reality. And so for me, I'm having the most transformative experiences um, ever. And I want to share it because these are really profound things that are happening in my life. But because nobody was resonating with what I was speaking on, I kind of had to just, you know, shelter it off and become this hermit of wisdom. Mm. And I didn't really know what to do with all of this until I started talking to one of my friends at work. And, you know, he said, you know what, if you're having all of this amazing, like, um, cosmic insight, you should really channel this out into a page. You should make something public so that it can have more interaction and engagement. And at the time, I, I never thought of myself as a content creator. I just wanted to be, um, I just wanted to live a happy life knowing what I know and sharing that wisdom along the way. But it turned into this beautiful thing called junk DNA. And again, it was just a leap of faith into the unknown, stepping out of my comfort zone. And I literally planted my feet, started posting um, the same energy as I do today, um, the very first day I began. So this kind of catalyzed this whole process for me, this whole journey, where I've met so many beautiful, awakened people along the way. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's a realization that it's not that people don't want the knowledge, it's just that you have to be receptive to integrate it. So, you, you know, have, you have to be ready to receive. Exactly. And, and that's, that's where you find people online. You know, the online community is just so vast. You go, you cross borders, cross languages, and they're all here to just receive the same message and actually relay their own so that we can kind of tie everything in together. But basically I started junk DNA, um, off the turn of a hat. And then um, at the same time, I actually debuted a Schumann tracker, which is the Schumann resonance. And for people who don't know what the Schumann resonance is, it's basically looking at the energy and streamings of the sun and how it affects the ionosphere and then us uh, as a succession from that, from that sphere of influence. Mm. So we're getting this cosmic energy always, but it's not until you become aware of what's happening that you can actually utilize and implement the uh the knowing so i started that at the same time and ever since it's just been uh, one heck of a ride and so the insights are still coming oh yeah non-stop all day that's that's the thing is like i and this is something i'm very firm about I'm, I'm a firm believer that you know we have this free will and if you want something enough 
remember, it took me to reach the point of break uh, to get what I needed. But basically, if you put, if you put your request out there, it's going to be answered. And it's going to be answered in profound ways. You just have to completely dive in and believe and really trust what's coming through. Mm. So your junk DNA is ignited right now. <laughs> oh, yeah. But we all are. That's the thing is, you know, as we've gone along, this whole process, it's been a little over a year and a half now since I began it. And I've just seen so many people have the same um, experiences and confirmations that I've had. Um, in the past. And, so. and, and that's the beauty of it is, is, you know, someone thinks that they're quote unquote crazy. And then they see all these people that have had the same Satori's, you know, what is what is called in the Zen tradition. And it's like, I'm not crazy. We actually have experiences if we're tuned in. And some people aren't tuned in at all. It just happens. And then that creates the yeah. path of the seeker so exactly. it's it's different i think it probably depends on our karma yeah and it's it's the catalyst too you know if if something is to happen then you internalize it as a personal experience and a great phenomena of this is um, synchronicity this is something that that happens individually on an individual basis per the observer and you'll start to see these fantastic I mean, literally, I've seen synchronicities of all forms, shapes, and sizes. It doesn't matter if it's a license plate, a clock, um, IV equipment. You know, it could be anything under the sun. But the main thing is that you become aware of it in that moment, and it catches your attention. Mm. That's, that's how the universe subtly grabs you, and it says, hey, look, whatever you're doing, you're on the right path. Keep going forward. And I've always used that as the green light for me as well in knowing what I should do, what I shouldn't do, what I should hold back on and it's worked out splendidly up mm. until this point yeah how would you describe the 144,000 light workers yes this is a very grand concept but it makes complete sense if you really bake it down to the simplistic design that it was meant for mm. in that you take the entire planet you take a bunch of unconscious souls meaning you know, beings who have incarnated here on this planet to do what they do until they die and then learn the lessons along the way. But for some reason or another, um, the distortion has carried the energy in the wrong direction, meaning that we've gained a lot more of a malevolent presence, a much more self-serving society. And because of this, a lot of people haven't been able to really experience the human experience. And when, but when I say that, I mean that we're not able to collect rainwater. We're not able to grow our own food, to live off the land, to be gifted these birthrights that are inherent in us, um, but rather taken away. And the reason I say this is because the, what, the concept of the 144,000 souls is here to correct the error, meaning that if you're imbalanced to a certain distinction of you know, you have a self-serving society, malevolent in a, in a slight sense, but just basically people who are doing more harm than good, then you're going to need to correct it. That's the yin-yang of the universe. You know, it's here to correct the flow. So the 144 themselves, um, these are souls and beings that actually come from higher octaves of dimensions, meaning that these are people, um, I'm just going to say souls uh, to, to lay the groundwork, but they're souls who have surpassed the third dimension, but chose out of love to return to be of service. So what that means is that there was this call sent out into the universe. And remember, there's many different layers of the unseen reality that we live in. So this energetic resonance spanned throughout and all of a sudden you had 144,000 souls who heard this and came to and incarnated on the planet. And so now that they're here, they're here to be a service, to do the inner work, to really ground the frequencies. But the, the thing that makes it a little troublesome is that we're all spaced out. And this is a concept I really like to accentuate because when you look at the planetary grid itself, you have this huge webbing of energy that goes all the way around the planet. And there are specific nodes that connect the webbing to each other. And each node is a light worker. These are one of the 144,000. 
And so that's the reason why we, we all didn't just meet up in one country. Um, it's the best way to have the maximum influence and the maximum potential for change is if we're all diversely spread across the planet in this way, in this configuration. So what I want to... And you're, yeah. saying, you're saying we. Yes, I, I consider myself one of them because... Mm -hmm. You know, it, it just makes you, you start to understand who you are and what you're here for. Purpose becomes a very essential part of this because it's your guiding force. And now that we're here, it's basically this butterfly effect where if I'm to awaken, that means another is to awaken halfway around the planet. And then it kind of triggers back and forth and we start to catalyze the awakenings in others. And then you get this thing called the Great Awakening which is something we've experienced on a very mon monumentous scale. You know, you have so many people coming to the light, speaking their truth, saying, you know what, we're not crazy for thinking this. How can we all have this cultural hallucination if we're in many different cultures? You know, this is, this right. is a very universal truth. And so the fact that we're here to ignite the others and re remind them who they are is just a catalyst in the process. They know who they are already but they just need that kick. They need that little reminder so that they can step up to the plate and really um, emanate their light. The 144,000 is significant. That is the number that the Jehovah Witness talk about as being resurrected to Christ. And that's, um, that's another thing too, is if we're going to speak on, you know, this sort of ascension process, it's basically the matter, it's, it's a means of having people awaken within so that they can catalyze themselves towards something greater, aka return to where you came from because the work is done. Hmm. That's, that's essentially what we're doing here. Right, back to source. I'm going to run down a bunch of words and phrases and we'll just go from there. Starseed. <laughs> okay, starseed. This is exactly what we're talking about. Remember, the universe is a grand scale place, meaning that there's no cut and dry, there's no black and white. You have this variation of diversity and so many different people from so many different corners of this universe have come together to actually serve and to really embody their light so that they can be a lighthouse, a way shower for others. And so this is what it means. A star seed is a soul that's come from a different star or, you know, galaxy place in the universe wherever the location be and they're planted here to do the work and awaken others by planting their own seeds so this means that it's not necessarily that the soul is local to the milky way or even you know the solar system for for a matter of fact but it's the fact that they're coming here in hordes and droves to actually do the work and push the goalpost forward because we're there's so much going on that we're fighting against, like literal evil. And um, it feels great to be on the side of the good, of the light, you know, to be here. Gautama the Buddha used to talk about spinning the Dharma wheel. That, you know, somebody has to keep spinning it. And we, had, so you just said move the goalposts, same, same sort of concept. Yeah. We got we to keep it moving or, or we're in trouble. <laughs> Well, that's the thing is, you know, if this was just one person with all this information, you'd get someone like uh, a Jesus Christ or, you know, a different, uh, what we call them, um, ascended masters. And basically what happens is you get this really weird polarization, meaning that you get these really dedicated people who follow the message and understand the truth. And then you have other people that want to do everything to cast them under the, the light. So... Mm. It's, it's basically that duality of we need a bunch of people to come together so that we can get the popular majority to really understand and shift the energy of the planet because it's not going to come from your television set. It's going to come from mouth to ear. It's people he, just like me, just like you, spreading this information. And this is how we actually we, we make a move forward in the right direction. Mm. You mentioned Ascended Masters. So, you know, this is something that comes up on this podcast every now and again, you know, there's, you know, some people call them Ek Masters, some people call them Ascended Masters. What's your experience with that? 
Yes, ascended masters are a fantastic phenomenon in their own sense. It's basically an accentuation of what we can be if we focalize all of our energy into our maximum potential. Meaning that ascended masters, let's just run it from the very basics, um, is a soul that comes to live just, just like us on the planet, um, goes through various spiritual um, lessons and development to a point where they actually increase their vibration to a certain point and that when they re reincarnate, they actually have more activation in that secondary sense. And then you continue that and you keep adding the, um, the momentum until you get to a certain point where they actually transcend duality itself. They ascend higher, but they ascend in body. And so this creates this kind of eternal force that's here to serve others. And that's why you see all of these amazing supernatural feats that they can accomplish is simply because this is already within us. They're here to teach us how to be our greatest um, version. And so huge part of this, you know, you see Jesus walking on water, you see different beings floating and whatnot. All of these things exist. All of these abilities are real. And it's just the mind that has to carry us through that distortion and misunderstanding this non-physical phenomena so that we can actually be um, an ascended master ourselves. And, and of course, this is a choice. You know, souls progress um, in a linear sense. They keep going forward, higher elevation until you return to source. But for ascended masters, this is the ultimate service is to return as yourself and help teach and help provide the information and the wisdom that'll help people unlock their junk DNA and actually evolve into them, uh, into what they were designed to be. So it's said that when somebody gets to that level, when their physical body dies, they're not incarnated after that. They're just, they're wherever they are. I mean, we don't know specifically, but but yeah, it's they, it's been said that they can you can you can call them back, maybe not as a physical form, but yeah. So this is this is a little insight is that they actually hang out, <laughs> if we're gonna make it a little casual, um, in the <laughs> fifth dimension. And this is this is a this is a really important point because when you're in the fifth dimension, you actually have access to communicate backwards. Meaning that if you're in the sixth dimension, you can't converse or necessarily talk to the lower vibrations, but you have to lower your vibration to a fifth dimensional threshold in order to actually have this communication back and forth. So for people who are calling upon the Ascended Masters, of course, it's not a handshake. You know, it's not like a physical touch, but this is something more etheric. This is some, this is a perfect divine intimate channel where you can physically see a manifestation, but it's not necessarily as physical as, you know, we are or as the ground is. So this, this is the whole point is that the universe has given us the tools to exceed and excel in, in our daily lives simply by using our free will to call upon these experiences. So somebody in the right position could call on someone like Buddha, Jesus, or an Indian guru, or whoever's ascended to that level. Yeah, and, it, and it's important too to realize that ascended masters, you'll see a variation in their their race, their, um, you know, the, the diversity of their languages. And this is basically a, the epitome of putting an ascended master in the right culture to be accepted, which is why you have, you know, Buddha in, uh, in that culture and you have Jesus in the uh, African cultures and whatnot. And it's kind of like when you tap into them, you get the same wisdom that they do because they know that you're receptive of their information just like how I'm doing it. You know, I'm not reaching out to just anyone. I let those who are, who are meant to see my messages and those who are meant to be part of my journey and my experience enter freely. And that's, that's typically how we do it. And that's how I've been able to grow so much. But Ascended Masters, it's simply the, the act of just asking and receiving the, uh, the information that you so desire. Mm. So what are you doing to to practice all this? Are you going into deep meditation or are the insights just coming on their own? Well, it's, I think it's a mix of both because when you're gifted this sensation, um, one of two things happens. One, you either get the internal confirmations on your own 
or they're gifted to you via a guide. And for me personally, I've been appointed this guide. You've probably recognized him, um, Thoth from Egypt. He's the ibis-headed figure. And he's basically the, the, the curator of wisdom. He's a scribe. And it's kind of funny how that parallels in my work as well. But it's basically, I'll receive these messages. And um, before, because I never premeditate a post. I make the post every day as they come. And basically, a, um, a topic will arise in my head. And I'll get the green light or red light to, to push it forward. And so that's how I know when people are ready for certain topics, when they're not, when I should wait. And it's kind of like this this succession where I'm able to push forward the right messages at the right time. And, you know, I also practice a lot of deep meditation, but one of my favorite modalities of meditation is the actual guided meditations. And there's plenty of different ones. You can find them all over YouTube, all over the internet, Mm -hmm. but highly recommend doing this, even if you're a first timer, because what you're going to gain from this is you're actually going to be able to release yourself, release all of the anxiety, the resistance, the thought process. Because when you start to meditate, you start to see yourself overthinking things. You don't really tune in as much, especially when you're just beginning. So with guided meditation, you can just relax fully. You can just release all your thoughts and let the actual person within the meditation take you on a journey into yourself. Mm-hmm. And that's where you have the most profound changes. Yes, I have guided meditations on Spotify and Apple, <laughs> FYI. You know, I, I, I try to take people through, you know, like I have a cave meditation and a nobody meditation where I have their body burn. <laughs> things like this, this, things like this, so that they know that they're not their body, you know. And yeah, it, it's... It's a it's a great way for the seeker to enhance their visualization part of their mind because of course the mind is kind of split right into visual and hearing. You either got the inner dialogue or you got the visual side. Exactly. So, you know, we want to shut the the dialogue side down and let the visual side proceed and that's where some a guided meditation teacher can help you right so yeah and it's the um it's the actual equilibrium of the the mind too because you're listening to healing frequencies and these are balancing both the left and right hemisphere of the brain but also kind of bringing you more in tune more center into your body so that's where you actually that's where a lot of the work is done Mm -hmm. right in there sure sure so what was your experience like when you first met your guide Wow. Um, I haven't revisited this memory in a while, but um, it's, it was definitely intense. Like you get, well, I'm just going to say something is that when you start to have these revelations and these internal confirmations, when you actually have this mystical presence, you know, approach you, you get these full body um, sensations of tingles of, of different goosebumps. And it's so overwhelming because it hits every cell goes from the toes all the way up to the top of the head. And you know for a fact that when that happens, something profound is, is going on. And so I remember I met Thoth in that night, the night following that um, request that I sent out to the universe. And it was this beautiful emerald green, like silhouette almost. And I remember he approached me and he said, we're going to do a lot of work together. I, I'm sorry. It's just like, it's all coming back to me. Mm. Um, but it was so profound and you know i'm like oh that was an amazing dream and then you start to like have this kind of overlay on life um you know for what i can say is that when i when i start to channel these posts or whatnot or when there's a specific message that's coming towards me it's actually that you actually physically see them um within your peripherals it's like you know not directly but like there and so what's interesting here is that i've basically tapped into this this being who's not only serving me but serving many others at the same time and i can i'm sure plenty of your listeners you'll at least get maybe one or two that have had the same experience Hmm. but these things you know they're teachers and you know it's not just a one student one teacher rule but it's basically whoever calls upon the guide whoever calls upon the ascended master and so 
I've been working with Thoth for, you know, a little over a year and a half now. And it's just been this incredible um, symbiosis. You know, I'm helping relay the messages, the deep ones, the ones that people don't necessarily comment on because it's time to right now. Or it was more of an esoteric, you know, truth. As you go along, it's kind of like, okay, you know, certain people would understand this, certain people wouldn't. But now that we're amidst the Great Awakening, I feel like people are ready to receive more profound, deeper topics because this is how we grow as a race. We grow collectively. We have to do this together and we have to face the like really the big topics, the big stuff. So, so he works with other people. It's not just you. Yes. So, I mean, a, a good example of this, you know, there's also Ra that I've, I've been coming aware of. I've, I've spoke to him before. And that Ra is more of a collective consciousness. They're of sixth density, sixth dimension. So basically, they have to actually bring their vibration lower to the fifth to have this communicative uh, ability. But here with Thoth, um, there's a lot of people who have had these inf- this information with Hermes Trismegistus. That's another alias of his. Um, different, you know, there's different cultures that have branded him in certain ways, but he's been able to actually push the messages out, various cultures, various time periods, so that the, the message is the law of one. It all relates that we're all one, we're all here moving forward, and we're all of source. So to have that, that understanding and, and that comprehension, you could start to dive into the deeper layers of reality. Um, with these with these amazing topics that I'm green lighted to uh, approve to all of you, so mm. I'm excited. I'm really happy to have this role, and I'm happy to have this mystical experience because now I don't go back. I don't wake up to life thinking that it's as dull as it was. There's so many things to this, and I can now really express myself entirely without feeling the need to be prosecuted or to like really be put down for what I'm trying to say because it's resonating with a lot other pe- a lot of other people and there's no agenda behind this this is just a free uh, think tank of consciousness that we're all coming together we're all expressing and sharing ideas and when it resonates we build a bridge and all of a sudden we get this this greater understanding of what the cosmos is all about mm. so how do you walk around with all this so i mean you still still got to go to the grocery store still gotta you know drive a car and still gotta you know live a normal life you know it's it's all about trusting the process you have to realize that no matter what no matter how far you've ascended mentally um you're still as, as human as the next person you know, we're still here. We still have these uh, skin suits <laughs> and, you know, we have to do mundane things, the human things, you know, paying bills, going to work, taking a car, filling it with gas, even though we know that there's a better way. And I think this is honestly what we're, we're working towards is that as more people awaken, we start to get these greater foundations for the better um, ways of living, i.e. permaculture, Um, different things where you actually integrate the land and you actually live as naturally as you are meant to and you remove the artificiality from the equation so that's that's where I find myself it's it's a very interesting thing I mean my dreams just keep getting many layers deep Uh, I remember I have like six dreams per night that I can vividly remember and it's just you know as we go forward as you do the inner work you start to like really colorize your uh, your perception and the way you view reality itself. So even though it is mundane at times, it's still very interesting to be the observer, observing the observer within. Mm. How would you describe portal energy? Portal energy. This is something incredible that anybody can tap into. And I feel like it takes a certain level of self-awareness to integrate the energy as well. But portals essentially are these spurs in time where you actually link up, you have this cosmic alignment and it, you know, there's so much significance in numerology. People don't realize that. But when you start to see that synchronicity forms in such a way, you can start to relate back how important this is to our existence. So, you know, we just, we just passed a portal on the 1212, uh, uh, 1212 portal of December. 
And what I did with this is you, it accentuates who you are and your abilities. Basically, if you're tapping into your intuitive side and you want to start to like practice manifestations or you want to start, you know, bringing forth a new reality or start to curate that as a co-creator of this reality, you can do so um, at twice as much in real time because you're aware that there's an in-streaming of cosmic energy hitting you and empowering you to do these things. And it actually, um, you know, accelerates the process in, in an essence. So I'm, I'm super excited to just be here and hold space for others as we come along these portals. But it's more so as they do, utilize the energy and make the most of the day by really tapping into yourself. And this could be through meditation, or it could actually just be outside grounding, you know, like really anchoring your physical body into nature. So it's, it's, there's many different dualities to this, but it's basically whatever works best for you. And so long as you're aware of the happening, you can make the most of it. Well, what do you have to say about the law of gender? The law of gender. Mm. Basically, this is the formality of the universe. You know, we, we all have archetypes within ourselves. And when you start to look at everything on a microscopic level, just as much as macroscopic, you see that there's this fine duality of masculine energy and feminine energy. And this doesn't necessarily correlate to the fact that something is male or female, but it's just the embodied energy that it has. And so when we look at the law of gender, we can see this divine imprint of the yin-yang in almost everything, literally everything. And it plays a large role in us because that's part of accessing our junk DNA is to actually be and embody both elements within ourselves, but make sure that the more masculine one is the dominant and the successive one is actually balanced accordingly, which I've come to conclude is a 60-40 split. Meaning that, you know, if you, if you incarnate as a male, you want to balance the feminine aspects in you at 40%. And this is the intuition. This is the care. This is the nurturing. This is, these are the inherent archetypes. And then for men, it's the power. It's the actual stability, the grounding, the, um, the intention. So once you, once you find that equilibrium between both, um, you're perfectly set to go. But just taking a more, you know, macro perspective we look up and we see that some of the planets actually embody the, the actual energy 100%. So it balances out throughout the solar system how we get this masculine-feminine split. And it, everything makes this, circ, this certain singular point of energy. And from here, this is how we, we see that everything is balanced in the universe. It's, it's, it's this divine expression that's within all of us. And so I highly recommend that if you are to look deeper into the law of gender, um, go, uh, go under the microscope first. You're mm -hmm. going to see a lot there and then work your way up and then start to connect all the dots because you'll see that once you plug your own yourself into that timeline, you're just as much a part of the universe as it is us and nature is us. So I think it's, um, it's this really beautiful expression and accentuation that, uh, everything has this intimate and in, innate duality. What can you share about the Anunnaki? Well, the Anunnaki, you know, of course, it's been taken out of context a lot of times, but basically this is where the distortion began from my understanding, is that you have this beautiful planet Earth and it's completely untouched. I mean, if anything, flourishing with flora, you have this beautiful landscape of just untapped uh, potential. And then all of a sudden, you get this extraterrestrial race named the Anunnaki, which happened to live on this planet, Nibiru, uh, however you want to pronounce that. But it has this very large elliptical orbit from our solar system. And so when, when it does make its rounds back and forth, which has happened you know, thousands of years at a time, um, they actually were in need of a certain element, and that element is gold. And gold is a very, you know, interesting uh, composite, but they needed it to repair their atmosphere, essentially, because they were going to use it um, anatomically. But when you bring it back to Earth, when they came, they actually implemented this mining operation to, to just take the gold from Earth to supplement 
um, the planet itself. And they saw some of the humans here. And, you know, to make their lives easier, they actually created this uh, slave, uh, slavery kind of like hierarchy system, which we still see today. I mean, it kind of lays the foundation for everything what, mm-hmm. that is uh, as we know it. But they, they decided to enslave the people to do their bidding. And then because, you know, the Anunnaki themselves, I'm not, I'm not sure if en- enough people know about this, but they were giants. They were enormous figures. And you can see yeah. this in the Sumerian architecture and, and the different art that they have around. You'll see them actually holding a lion as if it were a cat or a dog. Right. And this is, you know, this is an amazing size reference and scale. And so you have these enormous beings with, you know, not, not a lot of empathy because they're, they're here taking advantage of life on earth. And what they're doing is they're actually creating this pattern of um, dominance of self-serving behaviors, which is an inevitably self-sabotaging because they're lacking the spiritual development. But because they're they're putting these forward, now all of a sudden they think that they think of them as different than us, and you know it's planet versus planet. It's not you know one one soul versus another soul. Mm-hmm. And so today we see all this play out into the fact where you know bloodlines have just coursed throughout the generations, and their divine blood, you know whatever they want to consider it, because a few did stay behind. And they actually procreated and they created these hybrids. But as, as it started to go down, you start to get this like really sinister hierarchy mm-hmm. of those who are willing to control others without any care or, you know, thought in the matter. And then you have those who are just trying to live their lives. And so this is, this is where it comes down to it. And I think the Anunnaki has been um, just probably one of the worst things that have happened to this planet, but uh, you know, it had to happen because, like, look at look at where we are now. We're on the verge of this ascension, and so many people are waking up that it couldn't have been done any other way. And you know, while it does suck, and it you know, you don't really want to look back and contemplate what's happened before. You don't want to like try to change what uh, or correct history. We can uh, be the change now, and we can actually affirm our existence and our divinity here and stand up into the light and actually help transmute the darkness simply by awakening others and uh, being a service to, so- service to others. Mm. So the Anunnaki themselves, I think it's just a very interesting phenomenon because it's, re- it's, it's the most recorded event um, that we can see in the Sumerian heritage. And there's just so much, there's so many breadcrumbs leading back to where we are, to where we could be. So definitely interesting. And, and they might be directly involved with our junk dna couldn't they oh yeah actually i forgot about that um they they were the ones yeah this is this is something interesting uh they were the ones to actually cap our telomeres which are the tips of the chromosomes and basically if you were to cap it um it actually reduces the lifespan of the the person with the actual uh tampering so we we as humans were meant to live thousands of years but because they capped our telomeres, because we were essentially seen as slaves, they didn't want us becoming self-aware in the process, they capped our, our limitation to under 200 years. And so you have some people, you know, some Buddhists who can actually push that uh, to the extremes is because they're taking every step to do so. But if you take the common man, you know, average, life, average lifespan is, you know, 70, 80, 90. And this is, this is not the way it was ever supposed to be. So... They were, they were pretty much cosmic engineers. They were tampering with our genetics. And they, they prepared such a place where we have to work our way up the ramp. We have to work our way up out of the hole to actually become who we were. And so this is why it's so essential, too, is because our telomeres have been capped. Now we have more of a, an effort, uh, an established um, intention to awaken people in the time limit because we're approaching this, the end of this 25,900 year cycle, which is the cyclical event where souls evolve. And, you know, now that we're here, we're aware, we're not too old, we're in decent health. Um, there's so much work that could be done to, to undo the wrongs that have, uh, that have come from all of this. And it was reported in the Bible that people were living centuries. 
Yeah. I think Noah, Noah lived what, 900 years or something? And that's what I'm saying is, is that it's the, it's the potential that's been tampered with because, you know, you start to look around, you realize how unhuman, how unnatural society really is. Mm. You get this like really raw perspective and you're completely right. That is your intuition telling you, yeah, things aren't the way they are because they've been messed around with. <laughs> and it's so like, we're here to undo it. It's like we're inside the Truman Show. You remember that movie? Quite literally, Yes. There's just there's a few movies that are just curriculum, and I think the Truman Show is one of them. Oh, that and the Matrix, absolutely. And the Matrix, yeah. Eat, eat, pray, love. I always tell people go watch Eat, Pray, Love. You know the midlife crisis where somebody wants to turn it around, right? Yeah. So there, there's a few movies out there for sure. Star Wars, mandatory for the mystic. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And that's, that's the thing is there's a lot of soft disclosure through movies and media that a lot of people don't realize, but even the writers, you know, you have to really source the inspiration. Where are they getting these, where are they getting these thoughts from? Mm -hmm. You know, is this just a random thing that they put in a generator or is this a message that was meant to come forward for the collective and it just hit the right person's ear, the right person's mind to actually put it into motion and manifest it forward. So that's, that's what we're seeing. I mean, you could, you could tell a lot. Um, another movie I'll just throw in there for fun effect is um, Spider-Man Enter the Spider-Verse. Mm. There's a lot of CERN uh, disclosure in that as well. But yeah, get out there and take a second eye to what you're consuming because there's so much to see and so much to really uh, to observe through it. Yeah, the whole Superman story an alien from another planet who you know ha has powers he looks like us but he has powers where he can fly and see through things and and he uses it for good exactly you, you know this i'm convinced they got that from krishna in the hindu oh, wow. tradition because krishna it was reported was having miraculous feats as a child and of course in the superman story he's here as a child Mm -hmm. And he exactly. starts picking up cars at a, as a five-year-old, and it's like, what the heck? And Krishna was doing all sorts of things in the Hindu tradition. So, you know, go yeah. figure. They're both blue. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly it, and it's it's just meant to remind us of who we are. You know, mm -hmm. that's why when I say we live in a sci-fi universe, I'm not basing it off sci-fi. I'm saying that sci-fi is basing it off us. It's the other way around. But it's because we've been conditioned so much that we don't believe these things to be possible. Right. That when you get these amazing revelations like I have, I, I, I tell people, I'm like, look, I w I'm the biggest skeptic that you could possibly know. And I'm here to tell you the grass is greener. So you really have to take that, that leap of faith into the unknown and uh, to just explore your consciousness for all it has to offer. Just try it. That's it. Let's try it. And speaking of Krishna... In the Hindu tradition, in the Vedas, there's gods. In the Greek, ancient Greek culture, there's gods. In the ancient Egyptian culture, there's gods. Everywhere we look in ancient time, gods, S, plural. So, can this be leftover Anunnaki? or ascended masters or a variation so gods are interesting because you know a lot of people call them demigods but basically these are beings that never said you know never came forward and initially expressed themselves as such this is more of an interpretation of their being and so when you have many different cultures with the same kind of ideology you realize that a bunch of them are just living their supernatural lives as they will. They, they come into this existence, they, they showcase their abilities. And some of them, I mean, again, you know, there is a polarization to this. It, it's about how they're using their powers. How are they using these, these intuitive abilities to help serve others or to help serve themselves? Mm. And to look back at the Anunnaki, they were very self-serving. So 
you left that imprint of that negativity there here on the earth for those to divulge in because once it's in the collective consciousness, it's felt by all. And so for gods to exist, it doesn't necessarily discount the credit accreditation of source manifest because source is what ties us all together. This is the source key. You know, we are, we are all of this divine spark, but, to, to go on the subsurface levels of this and you start to see beings who are more, more than meets the eye and they're, they're taking an advantage that not many other, the common man can't really compete with, um, especially with as con- unconscious as they are. Um, you get this really harsh contrast of these fantastic abilities, these fantastic beings Versus somebody, you know, that's just living their life as is, as normal as they possibly could. And then the normality in them actually calls forth a surrender to these beings because they feel lesser. So that's where you get worship. Hmm. You got a lot of different things of, oh, they're so amazing. I have to worship them for, for being this. When in, when in reality, what's really happening is that they're showcasing what's possible. You know, this isn't, this isn't something that's divulged for one person to accept or another. This is for you to internalize yourself and say, wow, if they can do it, I can do it. And then you, you, you get like more of a showcase ability of um, show and tell, mm. essentially. Yeah, any good guru or awakened teacher will be very clear. Don't worship me. You know, and, uh, you know, in the Indian culture, you know, a disciple will touch the feet as a sign of respect. And uh, that's more for the disciple than it is for the master. It's a devotional catalyst for them. Uh, but certainly it shouldn't be worshipped. I mean, it's been, you know, the classic story of Bodhidharma finally going to, you know, going from India to China and talking to the emperor who, has built these beautiful Buddhist temples and these statues of the Buddha and saying, Hey, how's my karma now? And Bodhidharma being like, it sucks because Buddha never wanted this. He never wanted to be worshiped yet. You have these big, beautiful statues and everything. And so they turned Buddha into this worshipable, worshipable figure. And then of course they did it with Jesus. Of course. Yeah which took over the entire Caucasian world, let's just call it, <laughs> mm-hmm. right? Europe, Canada, America, et cetera. Or you not- know, that, it's so interesting too, because like when, when you start to see this, this parallel of somebody saying, oh, that's amazing, we should worship that, you could start to relate it to what we see in society, you know, celebrities. Celebrities are the new gods, quote unquote, as should, I would say, because yeah. Here. they're no better, yeah. They're no better than you. They're no better than I. They just have different skills that they've put forward and they've gotten a lot of attention. Now, mind you, there's a Michelangelo somewhere in Kansas. You know, you you don't know where this, there's people with these abilities and talents that are just shy. They're not able to express themselves or speak their truth as officiously as they would um, if they were a celebrity. So the fact that we just see somebody on camera and all of a sudden we become subservient to them. We say, Oh, they're so much, they're so great. I should just do something. I should become a fan or I should be this or that. Um, That's the modern day gods that we see. And I, I can't help but think about Michael Jackson. He had such a presence and developed such a mystique that people would faint. Mm -hmm. And there's that classic moment when he comes out on stage and he sits there and he just stares. He doesn't move. It's like 10 minutes and people are fainting. <laughs> yeah. And so they get so into their fandom, their energy just, it's, 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 it's too much. Yeah. yeah. And they're not spiritually developed to handle it. So they just faint. And, you know, this is not, this is a celebrity. This is a man just like us who obviously was deeply flawed in many ways. And so now we see it current time with someone like Dwayne Johnson, The Rock, who is just massive celebrity. 
the king of Instagram. <laughs> he uses his Instagram to basically create his own reality show. You know, if he walked in the room at, let's just say, a mall, people would go crazy. They would go nuts. Yeah. You know, is he having the same insights as you? Is he able to sit? Can he meditate for nine years like Bodhidharma did? <laughs> well, that's the thing. You know, it's it's a double-edged sword. Well, you do get the recognition for your existence. Um, you also boost your ego to unparalleled levels that you can't necessarily humble yourself at all, even if you wanted to. Mm-hmm. You know, you think about somebody like Paul McCartney, who is making the most of this uh, this whole quarantine thing by wearing a mask. He's saying he's able to go anywhere now. And without being uh, witnessed or, you know, recognized. Right. And I, I think this is, this is a great point, too, in that, you know, somebody doesn't really appreciate who you are unless they know what you do, unless they know your talents or your abilities. Otherwise, you're just a regular person. And that needs to shift. I feel like people are starting to see people's energy more because this is what really matters. You know, you can feel when somebody is high vibrational, when you encounter somebody impactful doesn't have to be any celebrity or high status uh, politician. But when you're, when you're in the presence of somebody you know that's going to change the world, you can feel it. And that's what we need to really focus on and not necessarily give our energy up to these other people in ways that, you know, takes away from our own presence, our own divine standing. Because now the same people that are actually worshiping uh, these celebrities or these endorsement figures, they take away all respect that they have for themselves. So like, they are so amazing. I can't compete. I'm nowhere even close. And then you start to bash your own soul. I mean, it's about honoring the soul within. And I think that's what we really need to get back to. Wow. Yes. Yes. When we touch the feet of a master, like they do in India, if you did that here, they'd call you, they'd say you're in a cult. Yet, it's okay to go completely crazy when Lady Gaga or Dwayne Johnson walks in a room and like, oh my God, oh my God, I have your tattoo on my arm. <laughs> I have you tattooed exactly. on my arm. And so it's clearly a programming here in the Western world to keep us unspiritual and undeveloped. Absolutely. Yeah, that's, that's where we really go into, honestly, is because it's a demotivation of knowing yourself. A lot of it is. You know, this, this senseless media, the senseless things that we consume daily they're just meant to delay the inevitable. They're trying to make it so that you pass away before you can ever understand who you are, where the voice inside is coming from. All of these amazing things that are so real to us, things that we have one-on-one relation with, um, they're taking that away so that we can just bypass that. Um, they plant their seeds in our subconscious mind and they, uh, they flourish in the worst ways. So... Right now, it's just about taking back your observational power of who am I and really embrace your journey here on earth because we each have a mission to fulfill. And once you're aware of your purpose, you go so much further with, uh, with the progressive energy. How do you suggest somebody finds their purpose? Definitely, it's, it's about introspection the most you really want to know who who's speaking to you on the inside and this is something as simple as observe the observer within okay when you have a thought arise or hear that voice the inner voice going on start to tap into what's speaking is that you is that your body speaking or is that something greater and i think that's the counter to any uh, atheist uh, um you know conversation is that you have this divine presence speaking to you always within even if it's phrased in your own voice you hear it back you hear the playback and so i think the best thing people can do is honestly just breathe really calm yourself and find that centeredness so that you can understand who you are how you fit into this whole equation and what role you want to play in the future in eastern cultures this is called witnessing or vipassana or some people may call it contemplation, to sit down and watch everything that's happening with your minds. And in doing that, you will see your ego. <laughs> you will come face to face with the ego. 
you know, that's a really good point to talk on too, is ego death. I think that's something I had to face significantly early on because to have all of these amazing experiences, I had to really understand that in order to have this, I had to break down what I thought I was in order to really learn who I really am. Mm. And that's, that's something everybody's going to face along this um, ascension process and awakening process is that you're going to come to a certain threshold where you're going to have to let the old go to make way for the new. And there's many different ways of doing this. You just have to find which way works best for you. And, you know, there's no cut and paste. I mean, everybody, everybody has their own way. In doing that, did you have any mental detox like many people have reported? Did you see some, some nasty things? Yeah, it's what, what we like to call that is shadow work. And this is, this is something where you have to really revisit old traumas, things that you've suppressed, things that you wouldn't speak to another soul out loud. And when you face it, you know, when you get straight up into it, you immerse yourself in and you say, no matter what happened, it's a part of me and it's helped progress me to this point where I'm at today. You see that it was a stepping stone and it needed it to happen. All of these things, all of this catalyst has an exterior um, perspective and proponent to it in that we can make the most of feeling damaged. We can heal, we can mend a broken heart. We can, we can start to express empathy in ways that we haven't before. We can completely shift our character and reformat and reparent our mind so that we do better this time. And when you accept it instead of regress it, you integrate such a higher vibrational aspect of yourself because you're mending the two. You're mending the shadow self with your conscious self. And now you're untouchable because, you know, everything that's ever happened to you has no power over you. Do you suggest people do that inner work also by journaling, by writing down? Yes, huge, huge. You want to be conscious of your thoughts. And this could be done by scribing them out onto paper, uh, speaking them aloud. Um, different things, you can start to speak affirmations. This is something I do a lot. Um, just to reaffirm who you are. And when you go forward, you know, you'll start to uncover layers that aren't as comfortable as they you know, could be or that you're used to with your curated lifestyle. But to be in the space of vulnerability is to be in a space for growth. There's so much acceleration that happens in that moment when you choose to take a different look at life or you choose to take a different perspective on the situation entirely or even future events. Like if you were to get laid off at work, think about how the universe is preparing you for something else. Or, you know, if you're moving and you didn't get the, you know, a different thing, it's just about reformatting the mind to accept what comes and keep moving forward regardless. Journaling and, and, and writing down, doing affirmations, I like to do that with acceptance. Because what is more powerful than acceptance? We have to accept things that happen to us. You just mentioned someone getting laid off. So many things happen to us in the course of a, a day, a week, a year. A lot of it we can't control. I you know, at the time of this recording, we got 12 to 20 inches coming of snow. <laughs> so the weatherman says, there's nothing I can do about that. You just accept it and go make snow angels. What else can you do? Like some, pe some people actually get upset over the weather. No, it's, it, I mean, acceptance is such a powerful topic because now instead of having instead of life happening to you it's happening for you and you really gain a greater sense of clarity um, on everything that happens it doesn't matter if it's a bad thing a good thing when you accept it so much happens in your favor than it would if you were to just become a victim of circumstance each and every time so to just really powerfully accept your existence accept your situation, accept the people in your life, accept the people not in your life. It's all of it ties in together and you can constantly do this through gratitude 
um, and journaling and affirmations and even just like looking at yourself in the mirror and really accepting the person you see before you, even if it's not ideal, even if it's not acceptable in that moment, realize that your body is constantly caring for you. It's, it's pushing you through this life with, with an open heart and your eyes are here to observe the experience as a human. And there's just all these things working with us. And because we're not openly conscious of it, we tend to have an underappreciation. So I think acceptance is a, a huge vital component to the whole thing. Absolutely. So where can someone find you? Where can they come say hello to Spencer Clayton? Oh, man. Well, you can find me at Junk Dine. Um, this is on Instagram. And I have a Patreon link in the bio description. Very cool. Well, it's been a pleasure talking to you today. And, uh, you know, maybe in six, seven, eight months, we'll, we'll have you back. Have you be a regular, come back once a year or something. Oh man, that'd be awesome. And you have fun with that show, uh, that snow shovel and all of the, uh, the digging you're going to get to. Yeah, I don't mind. I'm, I'm cool with it. Full acceptance. All right, man. Thank you very much. Perfect. Thank you for having me. Um, I'm looking forward to the next time. I would like to take this time to thank all the patrons who have signed up for exclusive membership and are helping to move forward this podcast and this inner peace movement. If you want to help, support, and keep this going, go to patreon.com and find Inner Peace with Dr. Reese. You can download the app right from your phone. And of course, you can get there by going to drreese.com. That's doctor spelt out. And I'll talk to you on the next episode. Thanks for listening to Inner Peace with Dr. Reese. If this episode opened your heart, feel free to share on social media and tell your loved ones. Also, be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Until next time, may peace be with you.